It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Survivor 46 is here and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast. And we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Valladares, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcast. Hello and welcome to a special edition of the DC Crossover this is our NFC East preseason rundown. We got a couple insiders and uh, reporters and folks that cover uh, some of the other teams in the NFC East. We're going to hear their thoughts on the Giants and on the Eagles, and then I will share my thoughts on the Dallas Cowboys. We unfortunately didn't get anybody to talk Cowboys, so we're just going to do it uh, ourselves <laughs> for that one. But Paul Dottino, our insider for WFAN and the New York Giants broadcast team, will be talking uh, Giants. And we got Matt Loopy, host of the Birds Banter podcast, who we chatted with about the Philadelphia Eagles. So this special edition of the show, you are probably listening to it live right now on The Contender. We appreciate that. And the show will also be put in podcast form for you to enjoy. But our intention here, give you a preview of some of the other teams in the division and get you ready and hyped for football it is back. We will lead things off with Paul Dottino from the Giants and WFAN. Please enjoy the episode. New York Giants. Welcome back to the special episode of the DC crossover right here. Our NFC East season previews. And we are starting with the New York Giants. We got Paul Dottino with us, insider for WFAN and the New York Giants broadcast team. You can find him on Twitter at GiantsWFAN, where he talks about all the breaking news and things like that. And one of which we actually were talking about before the recording, a trade happening here and a lot of things going on with the roster. As we are recording this uh, before week one, obviously, and before even September uh, Bengals traded former first-rounder Billy Price to the Giants for defensive lineman B.J. Hill. So right off the bat, Paul, let's get some of your thoughts on that move and what you expect kind of moving forward here in this fluctuating situation uh, as the team trims the roster down. Well, the Giants had to be a bit startled by what they saw during summer training camp with their offensive line. Uh, there continues to be sporadic production from those guys up front, and certainly the depth chart is very, very a journeyman like Kenny Wiggins back there. Uh, Jonathan Harrison, I think, is a pretty good NFL center. So him backing up Nick Gates, I think, is solid. But then you've got the likes of uh, Chad Slade. And, uh, you know, it's just not very deep. So what do they do? They make this deal to acquire a former first-round draft pick from uh, Cincinnati. The guy, when he came out of Ohio State, you'll remember, a very highly regarded, very intelligent player, uh, very physical was, was rated highly. People thought he could be a late first round or early second round pick, but injuries have just totally sidetracked his career. 
And so the Giants thinking, well, he's still probably young enough that you might be able to get some mileage out of him. So they uh, they go and get somebody who, you know, could help fortify the depth chart along what right now has to be considered the biggest question mark unit on their entire roster. And trading B.J. Hill, really not much of a loss. The Giants have a very strong defensive line. You start up with, with Leonard Williams and you look at Dexter Lawrence and Danny Shelton is the three starters. And then you got Austin Johnson back there. And they're really, really high on uh, David Moa and Raymond Johnson, a couple of backups who most people probably would not know about because, let's face it, they don't have accomplished resumes, but they're young players who performed extremely well during August. And the Giants feel like there's enough depth there that uh, they could part with B.J. Hill. So that's what they did. They traded some defense to get some offense. And when you consider their defense is certainly the heavier part of their team, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, Paul, the the, the main thing that uh, I was talking about also with Ben off air was the injury bug. Now, we'll get to that just in a second, as you just mentioned some injuries. But how, how to start off, how is the buzz in New York going into Joe Judge's second season, Danny Dimes in his third season? So it, there's a lot to look forward to for this season, because I think a lot to prove for Joe Judge and also Daniel Jones. So how is it sounding in New York? Because obviously you got Zach Wilson over there for the Jets and that whole entire uh, nice pickup in the second uh, pick overall. Uh, but w- when you're looking at the Giants here, how is the buzz for Joe Judge's second season and also Daniel Jones' third season, which everyone's looking for him to prove something this season? Well, fellas, I think going into training camp, most people who had a level head could look at this team on paper and say they should be the NFC East division champions. They are the most balanced team in the division offensively, defensively, and special teams. They certainly added a tremendous amount of firepower in Kenny Galladay uh, and adding, uh, you know, uh, uh, Kyle Rudolph and Kadarius Toney. And, you know, clearly that was the weaker part of the team. So they, they got some skill position guys who can make big plays. They anticipate Daniel Jones getting better. They anticipated that the young guys on their offensive line will continue to progress because, as we all know, Things never stay the same. You either get better or you get worse. And the anticipation of guys who are only going into their second year, as many of their young offensive linemen are, that they would get better. So uh, and we all know how good the defense is. That's a borderline top 10 defense. Uh, and, and they even added a Dory Jackson as a cover corner. Xavier McKinney coming back as a more mature player in his second season. There's not much question that the Giants will have a top 10, maybe even a top five defense uh, during the course of the season. So and special teams, I I left that out. Uh, You know, Graham Gano hit 31 out of 32 field goals last year and, and is still on a team record 30 consecutive field goal active streak. So when you look at all three units, well, let's see. Dallas does not have a defense. Philadelphia is a train wreck all around. And Washington has maybe the top three, maybe even the best defensive line in football. Right, But their back seven can't compare to the Giants. Their back seven on defense, not even close to the Giants. So you could even say the Giants might have a better overall defense than Washington by the time it's all said and done. And offensively, I I just don't think you can compare, you know, up and down, uh, older than Methuselah uh, Fitzpatrick at quarterback. (laughs) 
I mean, are you serious? The, the, the guy, right. How many playoffs has he been to? Can we say goose egg? How many, and, how many and, birthdays has he had? <laughs> right. And I, and I, I mean, when you can, when you seriously look, I saw the guy have his best ever year with the jets some right. years ago when he actually won 10 games, which is like by far his high watermark. I mean, I know what, what Fitzpatrick is. He can make some wonderful throws. He can give you highlight films on any given Sunday, maybe even one or two Sundays in a row. But the next three Sundays, watch out because there are hand grenades going off. <laughs> so, so I'm sorry. I, I, I can't, I can't be impressed with that. And I can't be impressed when you compare their receiving core and their, and you know, I look, don't get me wrong. I think they, they got, they got a pretty damn good running back there, but I don't, he's not Saquon Barkley. And, and I don't think their, their, their receivers are as deep and as, as, as potent now as what the Giants have. So no, I think Washington is the only team that can give the Giants a run for the division. I don't even look at Dallas and Philadelphia as being contenders. So let's put it this way. That's the way I think most people who are rational thought about this team going into training camp. The problem is the Giants have now been beset with injuries at some very important people during the course of August, specifically on offense. And that's one thing they could not afford to have to go through. So Lord only knows how that's going to turn out. So that puts some cold water on, on some of that stuff. And then the other thing is uh, Joe Judge decided that he was going to play all his backups in the first two preseason games, which some coaches are willing to do and other coaches are not. Well, when he did that and the backups didn't do so well, a lot of buzz in New York started to fade because they're like, well, where's Daniel Jones? Where are these starters? Where are all these big names that are supposed to make this team so great? Well, they finally get him to play one half against the Patriots and they got mixed results. The defense looks sensational. Daniel Jones did well, but did have a pick, you know, in the end zone, which made a lot of people who don't like Daniel Jones very happy because they could beat on him. And the offensive line, the starting offensive line, which has played approximately two and a half total preseason quarters, has been very inconsistent. So much of the, the adulation that this paperwork roster had about a month and a half ago has certainly started to go in the other direction. And let's not forget, folks, you're also talking about the New York media, and they thrive <laughs> on misery. And yeah. they feed the fans every piece of negativity they can and cram it down their throats like oatmeal to a little five-year-old. I mean, we're seeing it with the Mets right now, with Javi Baez's comments uh, about the, and the the baseball players flashing the thumbs down to the fans and all this stuff. It's crazy. But going back to something real quick, uh, I wanted to get your thoughts on on this idea of starters in the preseason because obviously, um, you know, the Washington football team just played the Baltimore Ravens in their preseason game, and we saw two schools of thought where Ron Rivera rested all the starters in that game, and meanwhile, on the other side, the Ravens played a lot of their starters and then you have J.K. Dobbins getting injured for the rest of the season in that game. So just curious of, of your thoughts as far as kind of your school of thought of 
how you want guys to be get enough time to be ready for the regular season, but you have to walk that line of also not putting them in positions to possibly get injured, especially when you're a team like the Giants that the injury bug has struck. So, uh, you know, what what are your thoughts on on playing guys, playing starters in the preseason? Well, I've kind of changed my thoughts on that. Uh, look, I'm in my 39th year of covering the New York Giants, so I've been around a long time. I go back to when Bill Parcells was a rookie head coach in 1983. And so I know what it was like to play your starters more snaps than what guys are doing now. Heck, I remember going to the Yale Bowl and watching the Giants play the Jets, and Fran Tarkenton was playing that game. You didn't think about pulling Fran out because the Giants wanted to beat Joe Namath and the Jets. Right. And those starters were playing. Trust me, fellas, I was at, I was at those games. I saw that. Um, and so a part of me always believed that, you know, you need that. You need your guys to be able to get in rhythm, to, to get hardened, you know, to get to tough skin and to, uh, to really be properly prepared for the season. But here's the problem now. You got guys who are making so much money. They're all corporations out to themselves. And because of the salary cap, when you get guys injured, not only do you lose that player, but your salary cap gets wrecked because the NFL doesn't give you any relief for guys who suffer season-ending injuries. And therefore, the salary cap will destroy you. So I understand why coaches do what they do now. And I do think these joint practices, the Giants, of course, had joint practices with Cleveland and New England. That seems to be the way to go now. Right. And I think also that's why a lot of these guys aren't playing in the preseason because, you know, for the Washington football team down here in D.C., that's one of the things that I was a little bit worried about because, I mean, Ryan Fitzpatrick, even though he's basically 99 years old, he only played like, I mean, maybe a quarter and a half or something like that uh, in total. Right. And it, they didn't play a lot of that. I mean, the last game, like Ben mentioned, they didn't play any of their starters. So that was a little worry for me, too. But going back to the injury bug that you mentioned, I mean, is there going to be any lingering issues uh, for the injury bug that has hit your guys' offense? Because that's one thing that I've been looking for for the WFT as being, you know, injury, you know, uh, ridden in, in years past. But you guys, I saw your guys' injury list, and it looked like a lot more day-to-day type injuries. Is there anything that's significant enough that any team should worry about? A lot of cue for questionables on that <laughs> on that depth chart right now, Paul. <laughs> yeah, you know, the thing about it is I've always thought Saquon Barkley had that, you know, reconstructive knee surgery with the ACL and the MCL back in October of last year. My feeling has always been that Barkley would be limited the first few games of the year, that they would not give him the full load. I still feel that way. He's been out there running in 11 on 11 and non-contact, and he looks really, really great, but he hasn't been hit yet, hasn't been jostled, hasn't been beaten up. And, and until he does that, you don't know how he's going to react. My suspicion as we sit here today is that he will be active for opening day against Denver, but will be on a very dramatic pitch count. And in fact, he may just go out there and run some dummy routes just to cause the Broncos defense some concern. He could be a decoy. He, I, I don't think he's going to touch the ball more than 10 or 12 times against Denver. And then, of course, in the short week, they've got to go play Washington in week number two. And I would think that's where you might see a few more touches out of Barkley. But it may be three or four weeks into the season, I think, before Barkley starts to truly become, you know, a big part 
of what the Giants wanted to do. I, I think they're being very, very careful with him, and it makes a lot of sense. He's their franchise back. Uh, Galladay's got the hamstring, hasn't done a whole lot during training camp. I think they're being more cautious with him. I think they believe that he's going to be ready. But, you know, again, I, I just don't know. Uh, Evan Ingram guy suffered a calf injury in the, in the Patriots game. Fellas, you know the calf is, is that nouveau injury now. That one oh, yeah. that seems to keep guys out a mysterious amount of times, uh, of weeks. You just don't know. So I don't have an answer for you with that. And the bad part is Kyle Rudolph, you know, had had the foot thing going on since last season with Minnesota. Now, just this past week, he was working in 11-on-11s. Again, you know, we don't know. We haven't seen him in a game yet. But we think he's going to be ready for opening day. And Darius Slayton tweaked his ankle and his foot in the Patriots game. I don't think that's going to be major. Now, he suffered a similar injury last year right at the end of training camp. And it hampered him all season long, which is why his sophomore year was a little bit less spectacular than his rookie season. People expected him to really shoot up in that year number two. And he kind of leveled off because he had an injury and played through it the entire year. So it remains to be seen what's going on there with Slayton. Uh, I'd like to believe that it's something minor, of course. Of course. Paul Dottino with us, insider for WFAN and the New York Giants broadcast team. Again, you can follow him on Twitter at GiantsWFAN. Here's an important question for you, Paul, before we wrap up here. You're a busy guy, but when you aren't working a game, what is your ultimate snack while watching football? This is a show with two pretty heavy set gentlemen. We like to eat. We like to watch football. We like to talk about eating uh, and snacking. We've actually done snack tournaments and things like that on this show when we're not talking sports. So that is my question for you. Your ultimate snack while watching football. Well, uh, to be frank with you, I don't eat very much when I'm watching football because I'm so emotionally and passionately involved in the game that it's not a good idea to have an upset stomach. <laughs> now, I, I, I live for football. I breathe football. <laughs> I, I, I tell people I don't work. I really don't. I love right. football so much. I don't work. Um, but but when watching the uh, Yankees or the Knicks or the Rangers, those are my 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 other my other. Uh, uh, teams of, of major interest in New York, uh, you will often find me eating pretzels, popcorn, or Twizzlers. Oh, okay. Huh. Threw the Twizzlers in there. That's a good pick. <laughs> it's a good pick. Um, and then lastly, all of our uh, folks that we're having on for the various teams, we want them to give a record prediction for the season. Uh, I know it's tough to think about that as far as still so much left to go, but at the same time, what, where are you leaning towards as far as a record prediction for the New York Giants here this season? Yeah, I, I think we'll take the the optimistic viewpoint on these injuries that they're not going to be serious or long-term, that they will be more on the minor side, which is why I see the Giants as a 10-7 and 7 team winning the NFC East uh, with a max of 11 and six, but I think realistically 10 and seven. And I think they will be the only double digit win team in the division. Got it. Got it. That's Paul Dottino, the insider for WFAN. Follow him on Twitter. He's a good follow at Giants WFAN for all your New York Giants news and notes and catch him, of course, uh, all season long reporting 
um, on the Giants. And hopefully we'll have you back at some point, maybe in the midweek of the or the middle of the season. We'll talk. We'll reevaluate things at that point as as the Washington football team have railed out uh, eight straight wins to start the season. <laughs> of course, uh, that is our hope. We'll, I'm sure that won't happen. But uh, yeah, we're looking forward to competing against the Giants all season long. And Paul, we appreciate you taking the time to come on with us and uh, good luck the rest of the season. I know you're a busy man, so, you know, st- st- uh, hopefully everything for you goes well this season. Hopefully this team does well for you. So you put in all that work and you actually get some payoff with some wins. I'll tell you what, fellas, it's been a heck of a last decade. Uh, a lot <laughs> of, uh, a lot of losses, a lot of fans to answer to. So I hope the team does turn it around because it'll be a little bit less heat that I'll have to live with, uh, with the fans here in New York. <laughs> Fellas, enjoy the season as well. Good to be with you. Be well. Thanks, Thanks, Paul. Paul. We'll talk to you soon. That is Paul Dottino. Thank you again for joining the show. We'll be back with another preview on the NFC East right here on the DC Crossover. Next up on our journey here on this episode, we're going to be talking some Philadelphia Eagles with Matt Loopy, the host of Birds Banter Podcast. Follow him on Twitter at Birds Banter and at Matt underscore Loopy. Talking all things Eagles. Next up, here we go, Matt Loopy. Philadelphia Eagles. Welcome back to our NFC East season preview as we touch on the different teams in the division. You've heard uh, from Paul Dettino on the Giants side of things, and now we move on to the Philadelphia Eagles. We've got Matt Loopy, the host of the Birds Banter podcast. You can follow him on Twitter at Birds Banter and at Matt underscore Loopy. And Matt, I saw as of the recording that we're making right now, I saw today's episode was talking about the roster cutdowns and, and getting everything ready for the season. Um, I guess one real quick question to start things off. Was, was there any cuts that surprised you uh, heading into that final day here as we're, the season's right around the corner? Yeah, I think the biggest one for the Eagles was Travis Fulgham, so wide receiver. Um, last year he went on a tear, and for three or four weeks he was the most productive receiver in the league. And um, a lot of people were wondering out of that entire season – were we going to get the Travis Fulgham that um, everybody saw and loved that four game stretch, or was it going to be the final eight games where he did next to nothing and a injury prone and slow Alshon Jeffrey replaced him on the football field. So um, going into training camp, that was a big headline. Like is Fulgham going to return to that um, productive state that he was mid season and then going into preseason, going into training camp, he just never flashed at all. And then uh, it turns out that fourth year receiver, J.J. Ortega-Whiteside, or third year, I'm sorry, um, J.J. Ortega-Whiteside, who really has done nothing in the league so far, ended up making the roster again and uh, took Travis Fulgham's spot. So that was the biggest one. Um, the Eagles are a younger team. They don't have um, too many star players right now. Obviously, they only won four games last year. So um, a lot of it was pretty predictable, but um, it was cool to see who Nick Sirianni, the new head coach, um, really wanted on his first roster. Fulgham, the former Detroit Lion cast off. Yes. Uh, I, I am I am a at heart, I'm a Lions fan, but here obviously locally I'm a, a Washington football team fan. But uh, I, it was one of those guys where he never really panned out in Detroit. He goes to Philly, has a crazy good season, and then now he's looking for another job. 
Kind of mm-hmm. want. <laughs> so let's talk about the QB spot. I think this is the most pressing topic in Philly. Now that they got Minshew from the Jags, I think that's a big deal because Jalen Hurts, is he the starter? We were talking about the podcast uh, this past week. Is he really the starter or is he not the starter? Are, are people in doubt about Jalen Hurts because they got Minshew now? Because Urban Meyer really liked Minshew, but I think that obviously now that they got Trevor Lawrence, they have to go with Trevor Lawrence, to be honest with you. So what is the issue here in, in Philly with the QB spot? Because you got Hurts. Some people are on Instagram saying Flacco is going to take them to the promised land. <laughs> what, what, what is the issue here with the QB spot in Philly? So I think – in the in the league, so in the Eagles organization, I think they always knew that they were going to commit to Hertz. Um, but across the league, I think there was a lot of confusion because they never committed to him verbally. I mean, they got rid of Wentz in the trade, but there's always speculation: Are they going to draft a quarterback in the first round? Are they going to trade for Deshaun Watson? What's going to happen? So it was just yesterday, actually, um, that Nick Sirianni finally came out and said Jalen Hurts is our starting quarterback. It took him months to say it, um, but I think it is going to benefit them more. Because all offseason, he might have had the expectation that he was going to start, but Jalen Hurts had to earn it every single day. You're bringing in Joe Flacco, an experienced veteran. Um, I think that is similar to their move that they did a couple years ago when they brought in Josh McCown, kind of just a a veteran mentor like they did with Carson Wentz. Um, And then Minshew, I mean, that came out of nowhere. That surprised me. But um, I think you never know. Jalen Hurts only played four and a half games so far. So you don't know what he's going to do for an entire 17-week season. But also with COVID and injuries, it's it's going to be very important to have quarterbacks that can play, um, plug in, and you know win some games. So um, it'll be interesting to see if Hurts goes down. Is it going to be Flacco or Minshew that goes into the game? Yeah, that's the big thing about Minshew is that you know obviously he started a lot of games. So I think he honestly is better than Flacco. And mm-hmm. for a sixth-round pick, possibly a fifth-round pick, that might happen if he plays a certain amount of games or whatever the stipulation is. I think that's a good pickup. I mean, a sixth-round pick is nothing. Let's be yeah. honest here. There's not that many sixth-round picks that are making Pro Bowls. So when you look at that, I think that's a great pickup. I would definitely do that uh, if, if I were the Eagles fans, too. Uh, looking at people they're going to be throwing to. Obviously, you guys got Devontae Smith, the Heisman winner from Alabama. How has he looked in camp? How has he looked in the preseason? Obviously, I haven't been you know glued to the TV watching Eagles preseason games. Mm-hmm. Let's be honest here. Uh, but how has he looked? Because everyone had so much hype around him when he came out of Alabama. Alabama. What's been going on in Philly with Devontae Smith? Yeah, so I was one of the ones that were pretty concerned about him going into the draft because of his size. Um, Don't know how he's going to hold up injury-wise. And then he gets to Philly, and within a few weeks of training camp, he's already hurt, and he's going to be out for a couple of weeks. So that was the first red flag to me. Um, He came back for week two of the preseason, and I think he only had two or three receptions, but his routes looked really crisp. Um, They sat him week three, just which I understand. you know, don't want to risk any more injuries. You saw what you needed to see. Um, but in the joint practices against the Jets ahead of their third preseason game, he looked really good from some videos that I saw. Obviously, you're only going to see a sample size that the media wants you to see. So um, you don't know what the entire, um, you know, offense looks like with him in the um, at wide receiver. But um, I think what he brings to the table that the Eagles have lacked is their outrunning ability. Um, sure, hands, he's going to catch almost every single ball that comes to him. But the Eagles have some faster receivers, so Devontae Smith can be the route-running specialist that can just do everything for you um, and be a, probably Jalen Hurts' favorite target. One of the things that I always like to ask guys is the under-the-radar guys. So, you know, the guys that maybe 
coming into camp were not names that were maybe household names in, in Eagles uh, fandom, but guys that maybe made a good impression. For example, here in, in D.C., at the time when Jimmy Moreland was on the Washington football team, he had a really good camp and, and opened some eyes and things like that. Um, so, and, and there's always guys like that every season, it feels like, that maybe were lower draft picks or they come from smaller schools, people haven't heard of them, and then they have a good camp. Were there any under-the-radar guys that you had your eye on throughout camp and, and maybe made the team heading into uh, this season? Yeah, there's one name that comes to mind. So um, Kenneth Gainwell or Kenny Gainwell, um, running back from Memphis. He was drafted in the fourth round. I feel like a lot of people knew of him two years ago because he came out of um, his sophomore year at Memphis with over 2,000 yards from scrimmage. I mean, he just completely tore it up. And then he opted out in 2020 um, for COVID reasons. And then his draft stock fell significantly because of it. So the Eagles got pretty good value in the fourth round. And a lot of people forgot about who he was because he just simply was on the field in 2020. Um, So then he's coming into a crowded backfield at the time with Miles Sanders, Boston Scott, Jordan Howard. Um, I think a lot of people had low expectations for him because they didn't know how much he was going to get on the field. And then we see in training camp, he is getting a majority of the targets out of the backfield. Um, He ran the ball almost just by himself against the Jets in that third week of the preseason. And he was very productive. I mean, I I love his play style. And I think, honestly, um, he could make Boston Scott go down to running back three for this team because he can do it all. And uh, Miles Sanders has struggled catching the ball in the backfield. So Kenny Gainwell is definitely going to be someone that surprises people. Now let's move on to the defense. We've talked enough about the offense, QB, wide receiver, running backs. Let's talk about the defense. Now we've been talking about with other guys on the air about the defensive lines in this division. The defensive lines in this, in this division with Demarcus Lawrence in Dallas, with the whole entire WFT line and, and all their other guys they've been investing in four first-round picks. Now you got Philly's defensive line. Philly's defensive line, honestly, in my opinion, has been one of the best in the last three or four years with Brandon Graham and Fletcher Cox. But when you're looking at the injuries right now, I went through the entire injury list, and it's been at, what, about eight or nine days or so uh, since they were put on the injury list. You got Fletcher Cox with his groin, Javon Hargrave with his ankle, Derek Barnett with his shoulder, even our old old friend Ryan Kerrigan's on there with mm-hmm. a, a thumb surgery or something, whatever's yep. going on with him. Uh, so what's going on with the injuries? Are, th- are they going to be fresh come, come the first week, or are they going to be a little banged up? Yeah, I think they're going to be good. Um, I think it's just precautionary. You know what they're going to bring to the table, so you're not going to risk anything in practice or in games, um, especially with a guy, guy like Fletcher Cox. I mean, he gets banged up almost every single year, it seems. So it's just you want to make sure that he's as close to 100% as possible true, for true. week one. Um, but, yeah, I mean, the the D-line is good. But like you said, the, there's some injury concerns for all the players. Um, they've all battled injuries in their career, and – the D line is very top heavy. I mean, once you get past those starters, it's not like there's many players that can step up and play 70% of snaps and be as productive as the starters are. So um, that's a big question mark, in my opinion. Well, on a, on a lighter note, I wanted to ask the question. So our team, uh, our, our, our show tends to focus around, uh, obviously, on the sports end, but we also talk a lot of food talk. Mike and I are two bigger gentlemen. We like to eat. We like to talk about food. So I was curious. As Speak, for as, um, Speak for yourself. Speak for yourself. Right, right. So, <laughs> you know, throwing out the uh, the Philly cheesesteaks of the world, um, are there any kind of game uh, snacks or meals that you like on, on Sundays when you're watching the Eagles? Is, is there anything that you prefer on game days? Um, I mean, you can never go wrong with a cheesesteak, that's for sure. Um, but going beyond that, because that's an easy answer. Um, 
I would say just your typical appetizer appetizers, get some sliders, wings, uh, chips and dip, um, really the traditional stuff. But yeah, cheesesteaks are definitely a big uh, option here. So going back to I, I wanted to ask this question, but I just thought about it right when Ben was asking his. Uh, obviously, the snack thing is the most important question. But <laughs> looking at the preseason, now going back to looking at all the injuries that have happened to the Giants and also to the Eagles. Now, we didn't really play our starters hardly at all uh, for the most part. I mean, I think Ryan Fitzpatrick had maybe 20 or so passes, uh, which is pretty bad uh, when you're looking at it. Uh, because they didn't even play in the third game. Looking at all the injuries, how has the Eagles uh, team kind of managed their starters? Have they played certain guys uh, on a on a pitch count kind of uh, minutes limit or whatever you want to call it? Because like I said, the WFT, the Washington football team, has only played their starters maybe a quarter and a half or something like that. Mm-hmm. Now, obviously, some play a little bit more than others. But in the in the third game against the Ravens, I mean, it was 37 to 3. They played basically maybe zero minutes. They didn't even... I mean, they might have been not even at the game. Who knows? Uh, so what did the Eagles do to manage the time for the new three-game preseason uh, series? Yeah, so what I noticed is I think Sirianni's approach to it was everybody's on the same level because he hasn't coached any of them before. He's a new head coach for the Eagles. So I think the way he approached it was everybody's on the same level. You have to prove to me that you earn a spot. And then once you show me um, that you have what it takes, you go to the bench. You're in your spot. So the first game we saw Jalen Hurts come out for two series. The first series, he had an awesome throw to Dallas Goddard. He showed that his accuracy was there. Deep ball was there. Boom. You're set. Go to the sideline. Quez Watkins, a receiver. Um, that's another one, Ben, that could be a breakout player. I mean, more people are um, getting familiar with him, but he had a, a 79-yard touchdown, I believe. Um, right after the touchdown, he's off the field. So I think it was more of um, you want to make sure that nobody's going to come out there and just lay an egg and um, just see what they have. And then after that, you give the second team, the third team, all of the opportunity in the world, because those are going to be the tougher roster spots to make. So um, I think it was smart what they did. They started uh, tapering off the starters playing time going into week two and week three. And um, yeah, I mean, I think they picked the best roster available. So we've been having uh, the folks who have come on the show give a record prediction for the season. We're putting you on the spot. We had Paul Dottino on for the Giants. Uh, He predicted a 10-7 and record for the Giants. Um, We have given our own predictions on our show. We've been pretty bullish about the Washington football team's chance. Seems like everybody in the division thinks they have a shot this year because it's one of those divisions (laughs) where it's like that, where it's like you talk to Giants fans, they're like, this is the year. I mean, look at our wide receiver core. Look at our our, our Danny Dimes. And then, of course, on the the Washington football team side, we're saying, I mean, look at this defensive line. Look at the Mm -hmm. veteran leadership of Fitzpatrick and some of the dynamic guys. And then on the Dallas side, you're looking at a very strong offensive team. And now Dan Quinn is defensive coordinator and things like that. Maybe Dallas gets it going. Philly. On, on your end, I'm curious uh, to know where you are thinking uh, as far as a possible record prediction on where this team might end up. Yeah, so I've been saying 7-10. and 10. I think that's going to be um, about where they lie. I will we'll give them a ceiling of 10 wins. Um, that's going to be very difficult to get to because right now the offense is very young, very unproven, and the defense is the starters are good, but beyond that, it's like you better hope they don't get injured. So um that's the issue on both sides of the ball. Um, I think Dallas, if they stay healthy, they're probably going to win the division. Washington coming in at number two. 
Philly at three, and then Giants. I mean, I don't know how that guy <laughs> thinks that they're going to have ten wins, but I think. Gonna... <laughs> I mean, uh, uh, don't tell Paul, Paul that. <laughs> yeah, Paul. Uh, Paul is a little bullish on the on the yeah. Giants, but it, Matt so far giving us the most realistic uh, record prediction so far. I mean, on our show, Mike was saying eleven wins or something hey, on on our show yeah, for the. Well, I didn't want to say the same team. thing as you. I didn't want to say right, the same right, thing. As right. You. No, we're we're excited, uh, and this is what the preseason's all about. Obviously, is you, you, the hope. You know, mm-hmm. you get you're very helpful, um, and uh, but no, it, it makes sense with a young Philly team. This just seems like the type of uh, team where maybe you know a couple seasons from now could be really strong division contenders. You get first, you know, the, the new head coach in, let him get his system going again, let the maturation process of guys um, uh, uh, on this offense and, and letting that go. So seven and ten, the prediction there with the ceiling of ten wins. Um, and, uh, yeah, I mean, it was a pleasure having you on. That was Matt Loopy, host of Birds Banner Podcast. You can follow him on Twitter at Birds Banter and at Matt underscore Loopy. And, uh, Matt, we're looking forward to having you on throughout the season and especially when these two teams clash for sure. And uh, definitely, if, you, if you're interested in hearing some Philly talk and things like that as we're getting emergency alerts whoa, all over whoa, the place. Whoa, hey there. Uh, so hit the, the deck. Hit the, the deck. The storm happening, I guess. <laughs> but, uh, Matt, obviously, you know, we want to send some Washington football team fans uh, to your podcast. Where, where can they hear the show? So probably all, all podcast platforms. Yeah, much. so Birds Banter Podcast on all podcast platforms. Um, and like you said, on Twitter, Birds Banter and Birds Banter PHL Instagram. Got it. Got it. Well, perfect. Well, we appreciate you coming on here, Matt. Good luck this season. And, uh, and yeah, looking forward to talking to you again soon. Thank you. Thanks for having me. But not least, we're talking Dallas Cowboys. Now, unfortunately for this one, we were unable due to scheduling conflicts to get anybody to chat about the Cowboys. So I will just go ahead and give you a quick rundown on Dallas. Uh, The Cowboys' second easiest schedule in the NFL. Just something to note. I'm not throwing shade or saying it's going to be easy. Every week is always tough when it comes to the National Football League. But it's not as big of a gauntlet uh, as some other teams in the league. But I will mention that when the Cowboys do play uh, a hard game, they play a very hard game. They're playing the defending champs in the Bucks and, and that sort of thing. So uh, still second easiest schedule in the NFL. They last, uh, as far as the offseason goes, lost Andy Dalton, Cam Irving, and Xavier Woods in free agency. You also had Sean Lee retire, and they parted ways with Antoine Woods. The biggest move for Dallas in the offseason was re-signing their quarterback, Dak Prescott, who, before he got hurt last year, Dak Prescott was on pace for having just an insane 2020 campaign. I mean, the guy's stats were unbelievable. The injury was so tough and really tanked the Cowboys' chances for the season. It just shows you how valuable Dak Prescott is. And unfortunately, he got injured, but now... He's healthy. They've re-signed him. Uh, it will be interesting to see how often they run the football with Dak because of the injury and, and 
just to kind of see how that goes. But still, when Dak Prescott is at his best, he is one of um, you know one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL. Uh, besides that, you signed uh, Keanu Neal, former Falcons safety. I think they're playing him at linebacker. You had Brent Urban assigned for the D line. Drafted Micah Parsons, the uh, linebacker from Penn State. Kelvin Joseph, cornerback from Kentucky. Some other D line help. And right now, the depth chart looks like this. You got Dak Prescott, their quarterback. You've got Zeke, of course, Tony Pollard, their running back. Amari Cooper, CeeDee Lamb, and Michael Gallup, the wide receivers, and Blake Jarwin at tight end. So, a lethal offense. I think for Dallas, the offense has never really been in question, uh, especially healthy. Uh, Dak Prescott and Zeke and that sort of thing. But the defensive side of the football is the question. And to answer that question, they brought in Dan Quinn uh, as the new defensive coordinator for Mike McCarthy's staff, former engineer of the Legion of Boom in Seattle. A lot of folks in Dallas are are happy about this move as far as, you know, is th- this is the guy, hopefully, that will make this defense match or at least try and match what they can do on the offensive side of the football. Because it's a very good offensive team. The defense has been lacking, but Dan Quinn hopefully will be that guy to uh, improve the defense. And and as far as the Cowboys go in the division, you got to think that they're up there as a possible favorite, especially when they're healthy. I, I know we had Paul Dettino say the Giants... We're going to possibly win the NFC East at 10-7. and seven. I don't think it's going to happen. I, I think that the Cowboys have to be there in the mix, especially when they're healthy, and especially they got a somewhat easy schedule, if you can say that. Somewhere in that 11-12 win mark, I think, would be where I see this team. I believe the line is like 9.5 for over-under for, for the wins for the Cowboys. I mean, I think you got to take the over there. Uh, I'll go, since we had Matt and Paul both give their record predictions, I'll go ahead and give one myself. 11-6 and six for Dallas this season. That is my prediction. You had Paul predict 10-7 and seven for the Giants. You had Matt Loopy predict 7-10 and 10 for the Eagles. I am going to go 11-6 and six for the Dallas Cowboys. I know you Washington football team fans are mad about that. You hate Dallas, I get it, but I'm just telling you, this is a very, very good Cowboys team when all these guys are healthy and playing at their best. So that about does it for our NFC East preseason rundown. As I mentioned, since we didn't get an insider for Dallas, we're not doing a big 15-minute segment on them, but hope you enjoyed Paul, who is awesome, Paul Dottino, insider for WFAN and New York Giants broadcast team. Follow him on Twitter at GiantsWFAN. And then Matt Loopy, host of the Birds Banner podcast. Uh, be sure to follow that uh, account at Birds Banter and listen to that show for the Eagles side of things. It's going to be a very interesting division race here. All four teams are intriguing in my eyes. You got the Giants where... They've got some talented guys, too, on the offensive side of the football, especially with a healthy Saquon Barkley. you got to see what Danny Dimes can do. Um, you know, you've got a good defensive line there. So we'll, we'll see, well, when they're healthy, but we'll see what the Giants can do. you got the, of course, Washington football team, and they're monsters on defense. What will the offensive side of the football look like for that team? Will they, that be enough? And then you got the Eagles, the young guys, 
that the, the reins have been handed to, are they going to have the firepower to make it run at this thing, or is this more of a rebuilding-type year for Philly and the Cowboys, who America's team, quote-unquote, and a, uh, a team that has got to be one of the favorites to take this division. Just so many weapons uh, on wide receiver, and then obviously their quarterback-running back combo and Dak and Zeke. We will see how this goes. We are just excited for football to be back We hope you enjoyed this NFC East preseason rundown. Catch this show on Sunday when we do our reactions live here on The Contender to the Washington football team's game against the Chargers. Besides that, good luck to everybody's fantasy teams and betting and all that good stuff. We will see you next time on the DC Crossover.